the faith in our church in Istanbul. And we were all happy with his conversion. His wife came to faith. They were baptized. They were faithful in our church. But we never, ever thought it was going to be uh, anything significant. God forgive us. Everybody's significant, aren't they? Uh, He was soft-spoken, and he was polite, and that was the end of it. He was just a good church member. But God had other intentions, and over a 30-year period, he grew in vision and stature and authority. And he's now on the south coast of Turkey, taking a whole region for Jesus I'm training leaders to start a church there. I'm training leaders to go there. And he sends me a map of what he's doing. So that is a fantastic story. I hope that Alice and I can visit him this summer because we're going to celebrate, Lord willing, if airplanes are still flying in the sky. We just had an airplane cancel this morning, so we're a bit a bit jittery about air flight. Um, Today I want to share a story with you that uh, gives a wider perspective of God interested, yes, in one person, but this time a whole city. So I'm going to read to you a very strange verse, which is the last verse of Jonah. And we all know, we, we, we love the imagery of the whale and the storm and throwing Jonah overboard and the gourd growing and we, we know the whole story. But the last verse of the whole book is God remonstrating with probably history's most grumpy missionary. Because he was successful in the mission, and then he was angry with God. You know, get over it. Get over it, Jonah. You did a great job. No, I didn't want a great job. I wanted, I wanted to, I, I didn't want these people to get saved. So God is remonstrating the last verse of Jonah, and it shows the heart of God. This is, the, the last verse in Jonah shows the big picture. It isn't just Jonah and the whale. It is a whole city is at risk, and God says this, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. That's the way the book ends. (laughs) And the animals. I care about the animals. I care about the city. I care about... 120 people in this great city. Of course, we think of a great city as London, uh, 8.5 million. We didn't even know where Wuhan was until we learned it was 11 million. That would be a great city in our estimation. But this was a great city in the ancient world, and God had a great concern for it. So my story today starts with a, a personal encounter that I had with one person, and I have to um, make apologies when I start reading this, because I, I always choke up. 
but I'm going to try not to choke up on this story, all right? Can you bear with me? What, darling? After the story. After the story. Yes, I'm going to read you a story about a city named Burdur. B-U-R-D-U-R. Now, British people don't like to pronounce final L's. This also has a medial, a, a medial R. Uh, so I want you to try saying it with me. B-U-R-D-U-R. Burdur. Can we do it? Burdur. Okay. Don't drop the R at the end. Burdur. Uh, and I'm going to show you on the map in a minute where it is, so don't worry, don't worry. Burdur city buses carry a destination header reading Earthquake Quarter. People have been moving out of this provincial capital ever since a serious earthquake. The population has now decreased to 57,000 and decreasing. I just checked since writing this, it's now down to 52,000. Normally in Turkey, uh, over a period of years, cities double in size. Burdur is decreasing year by year. A a 30-minute minibus ride eastward lands one in Isparta, famous for its carpets. To the west is Denizli Laodicea, one of the seven churches of Revelation. But who visits Burdur? In the early 1970s, four young men did. Two Americans, a German, and a Finn. They were on a mission to tell the good news story using literature. Perfectly legal, yet a risky business at best. They soon found themselves in the city jail. And it seemed the state prosecutor intended to keep them there a long time. Their morale slipped, and then they got a message out to friends. What could be done for them? I was one of the few people in Turkey that summer, and one of the few who knew perfectly well how one's morale drops in a Turkish prison. I had spent time in several So without a second thought, I packed my kit, went to the Finnish consulate, informed them I was visiting a Finnish citizen in Burdur prison. The consul gave me some recent uh, Finnish newspapers and a few books. After arriving in Burdur, I went to the prosecutor's office, knowing full well I could be locked up with the four in question. After a brief discussion, I realized what a hard task it was going to be to see the men released. I gave him the materials, English and Finnish, to be passed on. Later, I learned that they weren't forwarded. Thank you very much. Then, strangely, I received an invitation from the tourism director to have a meal in his home. I was naturally wary, sensing that he might be fishing for information. When the meal was ready, we sat on the floor, again unusual in western Turkey. And his wife and children joined us, also unusual. This was looking less and less like a hidden interrogation. As the meal progressed, Kenan, the director, asked a leading question, quote, 
What motivated four young men from three different countries to risk imprisonment to talk about their religion? What could I say in reply? Before I had time to think of an intelligent answer, I began telling the story, the amazing heaven-to-earth Jesus mission. I was in such a flow, I can only describe it as the Holy Spirit talking through me. Many times since, I have longed for that flow again. We all do. The meal finished. I left Burdur and returned to Istanbul. No promises were made to me, and I had not wanted to visit the prosecutor again. He was the proverbial stone wall. Eventually, the four men were released, and I heard nothing more from them or Burdur. It seemed a closed chapter without closure. Then, all of ten years later, a translator friend of mine visited Istanbul and attended the Bible House Sunday service. Coincidentally, and I use the word coincidentally advisedly, coincidentally, a Turkish family who had immigrated to Australia were visiting the meeting as well. The man asked to bring greetings from Australia and give his testimony. He began with, quote, I was the tourism director in Burdur. During my time, he's talking, he's, this is his testimony now. During my time, four young men were arrested for Christian propaganda. A friend of theirs visited them in jail, and for some reason, I felt I should invite him to my home. Over a meal, he explained Christianity from beginning to end. This story played in my mind like an endless loop tape recording for years. I could recall it verbatim. In Australia, I and my entire family gave our lives to Jesus. That was 10 years, a little bit more than 10 years, after I went to see them. Now, we're going to have on the screen Burdur and Western Turkey and the seven churches, which are dots. The red dots are the seven churches that you know from uh, Revelation chapter 1 through 3. And the big yellow dot, unfortunately, it's hiding the final R of Burdur. But if there is a final R. That's Burdur. And, um, and there's this semicircle arc around it. And I'm going to tell you why that's there. In 1983, actually August 10th, 1983, a person who prayed for Turkey every day at 2 p.m. That was his covenant with God. Every day at 2 p.m., I will pray for Turkey. And that night, he got a dream or a vision. I'm not sure which. And he saw flames of fire coming out of Izmir, Smyrna, that are on the coast, and covering all of Asia Minor, which today we call the Aegean, or the Turks call it Ege. 
And um, it was such an impressive dream. It woke him up and he said, I've got to write this down or I'll forget it. But of course he didn't. He felt he went back to sleep. The next morning, he knew that he'd had a very important dream, but I can't remember what it was. It was a bit like Nebuchadnezzar. I had the dream, but I can't remember it. And so, so he was angry with himself. I should have written it down in the night. Uh, but at two o'clock that day, to keep his promise with God, he began to pray for Turkey. And at two o'clock the next day, the vision opened up. And he saw it as a day vision. And he sent it in a letter to a missionary friend of ours who's a gynecologist. He sent it to him. And he said, what do you think of this? Of course, I wasn't in Turkey at the time. We were in, by this time, we were in Germany working with Turks in a city that was 10% Turkish uh, coal miners. It's interesting now that we live in a coal mining village just outside of, well, that's another story. And, uh, but here's the thing. I had heard about this vision, even though I was in Germany, through my gynecologist missionary friend who was in Turkey. And like everybody else, I just said, well, that's interesting. I put it on the shelf. Then, this was in 1983. In 2005, so how many years later is that? How many? In 2005, Alice and I returned to Istanbul, uh, returned to Izmir, rather, and this vision started resonating inside of me. I'll explain it like, you know, when you, when you go home from shopping, you get by the front door and then, and your phone is talking to the modem, right? There's this buzzing sound. And if it's on silent vibe, then it vibes in your pocket. And this vision started buzzing inside of me. I said, we've got to write it down. We've got to run with it. We've got to remember it. Why didn't we remember it? From 1983 to 2005 is a long time. And so Habakkuk 2.2, thank you for sharing that with us, became the reality and so we just, Allison just found this two days ago in the bottom drawer of our cupboard, you know. You should check your bottom drawer. You, you find things in there. How this got from Turkey to here, I don't know. But this was pasted on the wall in our church in English here and in Turkish. But then, do you know what was happening? Other pastors and people visiting Turkey were getting similar visions and words. And so there was a whole line of these on the church wall. God was confirming and confirming and confirming this vision. Well, where's Burdur? Burdur wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. But I was, I was thinking if, if we pray more, then the word of God will go out more. This was, you could actually put this on the, on the wall of any church, couldn't you? If you, if we, if we prayed more, we'd have more expansion of the gospel. Anyway. That's a little blurb for something else. That was the interpretation that that the guy got. Thank you. So then what happened, um, 
a church in Arizona that we knew wrote to us and said, George, we'd like to, we'd like to do something in Turkey. We'd like to do a short-term team. And I said, uh-huh. Great. Now we were very busy in Izmir. I had, we were on the leadership team of a church about the size of Emmanuel. So there were a few things to do every week there. And so I said, aha! Where are the boundaries of where God is working? And I chose Burdur because it's right on the edge of this. Yeah, it's right on the edge of it. I said, so the question was, we're going to drill a spiritual hole here and see if God is working this far away from Izmir. This is about a four-hour drive. So I wrote back to Phoenix and said, right, we're going to have a prayer team. We're going to go to Burdur. You don't know anything about it. You can't pronounce the name, but we're going to go there. And so we ended up going there several years and walking the streets. And uh, But we didn't see any Turks come to faith. We didn't have any good stories like that. But right across from the central police station was a basement flat and Iranian refugees were coming in and then getting moved on. Um, Iranian And they were all coming to Jesus in this basement flat. And they invited us to have meals there. And if you ever get invited to an Iranian house, just go. Don't even question the The rice and the food, just just go. Don't argue. Just go. And we had these great times in the, and the, in this basement flat across from the police station. The police actually came to them and said, we know what you're doing, you Christians. It's okay, but if one Turk comes into your meetings, there'll be trouble. And so they just kept with the Iranians. So that's that was our interaction then. We left Turkey and came here to this coal mine, Eshwining, in 2017. But a year before we came, this church in Phoenix got a letter from somebody that I've never met. But they were working in the city next door where the carpets are. It's not there. Okay, the carpet city is just beyond Burdur. So this is a letter that was forwarded to the church in Phoenix, which they then forwarded me. They said, George, you might be interested in this. So here, here it's, he says, Yesterday, I and... This is in 2016. Yesterday, I and a couple of Turkish believers who came to visit us from Istanbul made a trip to our neighboring province of Burdur, a place that I believe you all had a special interest in. The interest was in this Phoenix church. In order to follow up on a number of people that expressed interest via a Turkish Christian website, we were expecting to meet people who were just mildly interested or who wanted to argue, which is often what we find on these types of visits. Instead, we were shocked to meet three separate local believers there that we had no idea existed and who didn't know about each other. (laughs) Up to now, we thought there were zero believers there, and they each think they are alone. We need a huge amount of wisdom in how to proceed in introducing them to each other. This needs to be approached with caution for many reasons. 
and how to make a beginning for a regular meeting there. Please pray. So that was 2016. And I've just written back to a worker in Istanbul who continues visiting there. And they said, yes, we know there are believers, but they're, mo- they're moving out of Purdue and going other places. So, um, and the population is decreasing. So I'll just end. Shall we pray for Burda? Because like almost every story that we can tell, there is an open ending. The ending, the, it's still Acts chapter 27. It's still going on. So let's pray for Burdur. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love cities, even the ones that we don't know about or even know where they are. We thank you, Lord. You're still working in Burdur, a city that's decreasing in population as your love for it increases. We thank you for the Iranian refugees that are finding you there. We thank you that the Turkish police let them get on with being happy in their new salvation. But we pray for these three believers, and we know there must be others now that can find each other and form themselves into an ecclesia. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Short story. Thank you so much, George. Thank you.